The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out many save the dates? The first Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find where Welcome to Career Day on the Voices of Search podcast. Today, we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and lessons learned from a great SEO throughout the various stops on his career. Joining us for Career Day is a hip-hop recording artist turned SEO. Mike King is the founder and managing director of Rank, which is a digital marketing studio that produces great results for their clients through a strategy-first approach to content marketing, analytics, social media, search engine optimization, and a host of other marketing services. Mike and his team have worked on a number of high-profile SEO projects, including Ralph Lauren, ADT, State Farm, Hawaiian Airlines, and Citibank. And we're excited to hear his story today. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked-to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings, and AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, here is our interview with founder and managing director of Rank, Mike King. Mike, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, being here. Very excited to have you here and hear your story about uh, transitioning from a life working, uh, producing music in the hip hop industry to being an SEO. Seems like two different fields to me. Uh, we're also uh, working together on an event that Search Metrics is uh, hosting, a, a mixer for anybody that's in the Bay Area that I just want to mention. You and I are going to get together on May 9th to meet some of the uh, the local SEOs here in the Bay Area and and talk about our skills and experience. So uh, very excited to meet you and have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be there too. I don't make it out to the Bay that often. So it's always good when I do. And very excited that it's going to be for a search metrics event. Yeah, well, we're, we're happy to host, happy to have you. And, and let's talk a little bit about your career. Uh, you started off in a, a dramatically different industry. You were a, a hip hop recording artist. First off, tell us about how you got into hip hop. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of similarities between the two, but how did I get into hip-hop? Um, I very much have like a Fresh Prince story uh, in that my parents moved me to prep school in Connecticut from Philadelphia for high school. And, you know, it was very important to me that I did things to like feel connected to the urban environment that I was from. And so I just got really into all things hip-hop, like, you know, graffiti, DJing, and of course, you know, actually making music and, and the rapping side of it and also breakdancing. So I did all the things, right? Sorry to interrupt you, but I think that uh, we're going to have to break out some of those breakdancing moves when we, when we get together <laughs> at our event. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> I'm getting old. I don't know if I can move like that anymore. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, you know, it, it, it was all about staying connected. And over time, I just realized that you can only be really great at one of those things. You know, there's a lot of people that are are decent at multiple parts of that, but I wanted to be um, really great at something. And I felt like, you know, what I was best at was rapping. And so I did that. But at the same time, you know, again, this is me being 14. Prior to that, I'd been really interested in programming and things like that. And so it was like my, my skill set in both things emerged around the same time. And so when it was time to go to college, I went to school for computer science, but you know, I just didn't really feel like I was learning anything because I, I was like a self-taught coder and it was like everything they were teaching me was stuff that I had already learned. Aside from math, I wish I had, you know, spent more time with the math and statistics and things like that. But nevertheless, I decided, you know, I can go to school until I'm 50, but I can only rap until I'm probably like 30. So, um, you know, I, I just decided to make music as my full-time thing and uh, I toured all over the States, toured all over Europe, toured um, in Australia, even played a couple shows in Africa and, you know, released a, a bunch of records and it was a great time. So tell me about the transition. You, you clearly were a successful recording artist. You're, you're making it around the world, you know, uh, sharing your, your music. How'd you make the transition to getting into SEO? It seems like you sort of walked away from that lifestyle. Why'd you decide to get back into the technical side of things? Yeah, so there was some overlap because I think it was 2006. I got into a bike accident and, you know, there was no Obamacare then. So I didn't have health insurance. So I had to get a job to pay the medical bills. And the first place to hire me was an SEO agency because of the fact that I had a development background. They were like, oh, okay, well, you can code stuff. You can figure this out. And, you know, in 2006, it was pretty simple. It was like, you know, meta tags, H1s, uh, bolding keywords, and... White keywords on white backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all the link building was like, whatever your keyword was, plus add URL, and you search for that, and you submit your site, so wherever. So it was pretty simple back then. And yeah, I was, you know, pretty good at it. Uh, I didn't really take it seriously at first. It was just like, okay, I'm going to keep this job until it's time to go back on tour. But what happened was uh, my boss at the time, he was like, I was, I was like really hesitant to tell him because I actually liked my job. My days were just flying by so fast. And um, I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to quit because I'm going to go back on tour. And he's like, wait, what do you mean you got to quit? You can work from the road. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that just changed my whole life right there because it's like, wait, I can, I can work from home uh, while I'm on tour, that sounds amazing. So basically, that's what I did. And when I worked in SEO at that point, the companies that we worked with, they just gave us their websites. They were like, here, here are the keys, make whatever changes to the code you need to and what have you. And so, you know, I was, I was like responsible for everything. 
And so I could just download the site and then get on the train, do all the changes I needed to do, and then upload it when I would get to the hotel or wherever I was going. And so, you know, I kept that job for a while. And basically, I, I would continue the cycle where I would have a job in SEO until my boss would just really piss me off. And then I would quit and go on tour. And then I would run out of money. And then I would do it again. I got I to gotta ask you, how many of the... Uh, I'm going to sound like an old guy. I want to call them rap songs, but I guess it's, they're just raps. So I got to ask you, how many of your raps are about getting frustrated with your boss who was uh, an SEO manager? <laughs> uh I, there's only one verse where I, I talk about that actually, and that was actually more recently after the the last job I had before I start I um started I pull rank. So yeah, I I kept that out of my music. I had other things to be angsty about back then. <laughs> I could just see, I'll stuff your keywords anyway. Um, <laughs> so tell me about eventually. You know, you go through a series of jobs. You're also becoming mm-hmm. a recording artist. You're traveling around the world. When did you decide to make the transition to focusing on SEO as your your primary, if not full-time job? I know that you still have a little hip-hop thing going on. It looks like that's, I, I'm assuming, more of a side project because you're you know running a, an SEO agency at this point. Sure. When, when did you make the transition? Yes. So what happened was um, things were, were starting to like wind down on the music side, like you know, I was signed to a label that was distributed by the indie subsidiary of Sony. I thought I was going to like really blow up then. I didn't. And so, you know, there, there's only so many times I can play like six countries in Europe and so on and so forth. And so I applied for a job at Razorfish. And, you know, at this point, because I, I hadn't worked anywhere big, I didn't really understand the magnitude of what I was applying for. But I did. And then I told one of my friends and they were like, wow, you're applying for Razorfish? That's crazy. And then I did more research and I was just like, oh, wow, this place is huge. It's it's like... I should I should really pay attention to this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, this is a big ad agency. Like, this is a game changer. Look at these clients we work with. And so ultimately, I, I did get the job. And, you know, I was like, hey, if I stick with this, I could probably make some real money. Like, I was working with really smart people, some awesome brands and you know just doing really awesome stuff and so at this point they just hired me as a contractor rather than a, a FTE and you know i was just putting in so much effort and like staying late staying hours they weren't paying me for building tools and things and i was just like yes i really want this job and ultimately they didn't offer me the full time job and so um what i did is i just condensed my hours to be tuesday through thursday cuz they only gave me 24 hours a week and so I, I could still basically tour on like long weekends. And, um, you know, I was doing a lot of that. And on one of the tours, uh, one of my, my best friends, his name is Daniel Music. Um, we used to tour together. That cannot be his real name. <laughs> Not music. It's music. Oh, music. You know, okay. um, and so we're on a train. I think we're in Sweden somewhere. And he's like, hey, Mike, I know you're doing that SEO thing. My cousin, he owns this software company in Seattle. I'm like, who's your cousin? And he's like, yeah, my cousin ran. I was like, what? <laughs> and so my best friend uh, from rap is Rand Fishkin's cousin. And in fact, you know, the, the last name Music, that's the same last name that um, his mother, Jillian Music, has. And I'd always wondered about that. I was like, hey, you know, are they related? And I was like, there's no way. But anyway, so, you know, long story short, I was working in Razorfish, did not get the full-time job. And I was like, well, I'll go to another publicist agency and get an offer from them, bring it back to Razorfish, then Razorfish will have to hire me. And so I did that. 
And ultimately, they still couldn't hire me. So I, I shifted to uh, an agency in New York called uh, Publicist Modem. So let me ask you a question. You're, at this point, you're basically you know, managing two careers, right? You're still a part-time musician and you're developing mm-hmm. a career and starting to focus more on SEO. Um, talk to me about you know, managing sort of the, the two separate lives and, and what that experience was like. Sure. So... At first, when I would get jobs, you know, I, I never really talked about the fact that I made music. It was kind of like, you know, there would be these gaps in my resume and I would explain them like, oh, yeah, I was freelancing or I was traveling or whatever, because no one wants to hear that you're a musician because then you're inherently flaky. Right. It was really up until I got to Razorfish where I didn't really like talk about it. But because I was a freelancer at Razorfish, I figured it didn't matter you know, what I was doing in my free time. And so I I would let people know and things like that. But uh, it was actually really easy to manage as compared to like trying to manage things now because I was just a person that showed up, did work and went home. (laughs) Whereas like now being an entrepreneur, like I work at least 80 hours every week. So it'd be very difficult to manage these things. So I was just getting my stuff done at work because, you know, the work is easy. (laughs) You know, there's like not really too many secrets in how uh, a big agency like that does things. It's, it's a lot of like wash, rinse, repeat. So that's that's interesting to me. You say that the work is easy and you're working for a large agency. What were the responsibilities you had? And, and you know what was the process that you were wash, rinsing and repeating? Sure. So when you work in a big agency, a lot of things are very templated. You know, you're really just going through the process of like looking through the site. And because at this point we didn't have, I think Screaming Frog came out while I was at Razorfish. So like, the crawlers were like, you know, um, what's the, the, the Xeno link sleuth, which is not a great tool. And then like the stuff that Microsoft had built into IIS for SEO. So it was largely like physically just looking at every single page at this point and using toolbar tools. So as far as like when we would put together site audits, because that was like the core thing that I did. I did site audits. I did technical recommendations. So if you're building a new site and you have a very specific problem you want to be solved for SEO... We would, uh, you know, put together the recommendations there. I would do reporting. And, you know, of course, I would work across the team for things like looking at keyword research, looking at content optimizations and things like that. But a lot of the work was very much like the same over and over. It's a little bit of a brute force approach. To some degree, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it, it was the same in that it was very process driven. Like there was, you know, a master document where you could pull the descriptions of issues and things like that. And you would just tailor that document to the situation. So the work, it's not like what I do now where it's very much like, okay, these are unique situations that, you know, we have to look at in new ways every time or we have to use a different set of tools for everything. Um, A lot of it was pretty much already defined. It was just like, okay, does this site have this issue let me pull in this chunk. Let me grab these screenshots. Let me put together a recommendation. So it wasn't difficult work. It was just a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was pretty easy. Like once they trained me up, because again, like I said, my previous experience was like, here's a website, fix it. In this case, it was like writing about fixing websites and then you know working with the team so that they can do the consulting part with the clients because I wasn't client facing at this mm-hmm. point. I was just somebody that like did stuff. Yeah, okay. So you're you're essentially doing research and evaluation of the website, not being client-facing. Eventually, you move on from the large agency. Tell me what uh, 
what your role was when you went to, what was it, Publicist Modem? Yeah, so that's another large agency. And so I was the only SEO person. And, and you know, Modem was more like a creative and media shop. And so was Razorfish as well. But at Razorfish, we had a big SEO team. At Modem, I was the only SEO person. And I sat, well, it was, it was a really rocky onboarding because the person that hired me had quit by the time I got there. And then the person his boss that I then reported to got fired the week that I started. And then I got moved to the strategy team. So um, I sat amongst like the strategy and analytics folks and, you know, just helped them build strategy with SEO as a key component of it. Mm -hmm. Still large brands. My main client there was LG. And, you know, we worked with a lot of CPG brands. Um, (laughs) I worked on a project for Fiber One, where it was this uh, magic brownie adventure with Cheech and Chong. And it was uh, this, <laughs> this video. Like in hindsight, I have no idea how we got that pitch through. Uh, but it's a really funny project that we ended up working on. A little aggressive for the times. Yeah. And this is, and this is like 2011, 2012. So it was, it was remarkable that that actually happened. And I think it's been taken offline <laughs> since then. So yeah, it, that, that job was very interesting because it gave me a lot more marketing context, a lot more advertising context. And, you know, throughout my career, my thought leadership, I've added a lot of that to it. And it's actually positioned us uh, at Apple Rank to, you know, land a lot of uh, large clientele uh, on the back of that because we speak their language a lot better. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Right. So you moved from a large agency where you're working as an operator. Now you're moving to another large agency, but the one that doesn't have an SEO function built into it. So you're starting to get more into the strategy component. Yeah. Uh, Where did you go from there? So from there, I got... That's when I started getting involved in thought leadership, started speaking. And, you know, at that point, just my my life at my job versus my life at the SEO industry, it, it was just no parity and it just wasn't making sense. So at that point, I was like, okay, let's see what else is out there. I basically 
got offers from most agencies in New York, a lot of software companies. I'm assuming the the music business is on the back burner at this point. Yeah, at that point, you know, it was more just like, hey, I'll show up and, and support my friends when they're doing things. I wasn't really releasing records, you know, I like guest appear on people's records, but I haven't released an album myself since 2009. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was very much on the back burner at that point. But what one of the things that I, I did start to do was when I have a speaking engagement somewhere, those are typically during the day, I would get a rap show at night so I could still, you know, at least do something that's fun for me. So from there, ultimately, I ended up at iAcquire. And I was their director of inbound marketing. So, um, you know, iAcquire was primarily a sales-driven organization and just cold calling. And they built a strong revenue base and they wanted to go you know, the next level by having, having marketing and such. And so what they wanted to do was capitalize on what I had built for my personal brand to um, help them like uh, further generate leads and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're looking for an additional source of customer acquisition outside of just banging the phones. Right, right. Right. Okay. And so initially when they brought me on, I mean, I think the plan was like, hey, let's have this guy just be in the streets and at all the conferences representing us. Frankly, I didn't realize that that they were just a primarily a link broker because you know when they when I talked to them because I in my roles like I wasn't acquiring links um, aside from the previous roles where I talked about where I was like building links myself so I wasn't like mm-hmm. um, at Razorfish like we use Conductor because Conductor was a link broker at that point and I would review the links that we bought from them. But, you know, I wasn't the one buying links. So I didn't know who the link brokers were, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, you know, I acquired... They told me, they were like, Hey, you know, well, we do some gray hat stuff, but it's mostly white hat and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we're only mildly shady. Right, right. So <laughs> right. I took the job and, you know, they had offered me the job that I had wanted. Like I wanted a job where, you know, I could be actively doing stuff and piloting new stuff and... You know, also doing more speaking and using that to bring in business. And yeah, so it, it seemed like the dream job. You wanted the balance of being an operator as well as being a consultant. Exactly. And so two months after I started, somebody like writes this expose on iAcquire and it's, it's uh, linking practices and it's, it's shell websites that it uses and all this. And basically, we got DN indexed in Google two months after I started. So fun. Yeah. It was it was a great learning experience because, you know, a lot of people had attributed what they had been doing to me mm-hmm. because I had quickly become the face of the company. And it's like I have no control over what these people are doing. So it was like the first time I experienced crazy backlash from the community. And, you know, it's just a really interesting experience. So, you know, you're, you're only there for a couple of months. You realize there's some kind of shady practices going on. The company gets de-indexed and the spotlight gets put on you. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you in terms of your, you know, network and career? And how did it affect you personally? Um, my network and my career was fine. You know, I think anyone who was actually discerning understood that, like, I had nothing to do with that. In fact, I just I just got here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in fact, like, you know, when I talked to Matt Cutts about it, he was like, I actually feel bad for you taking the brunt of this. But so my career continued to grow because I continued to have things to say and thought leadership. And in fact, at, at iAcquire itself, 
there was just a lot of opportunity for us to be doing what I wanted to do. So, because it was a big scramble, like, what do we do? How do we keep this business afloat if we can't do link buying? And so I was like, hey, let's do these white hat things. Hey, let's do more strategic work, like more on-page stuff, more market research and social media. And so ultimately, I ended up building a team around me of 10 people. And we did both the marketing for iAcquire and strategy work for clients. So there was just more... We introduced additional revenue streams. And building this team around marketing, we were able to ramp up the lead acquisition. And then you know, us trying to change this narrative just kept me speaking at more events. So it was actually great for my career and great for my networking. It was just personally... I was real I was real salty at at the industry for how they reacted to me because of the fact that like I was doing nothing but trying to like foster goodwill and share everything I'm discovering and and all this and then you know at the drop of a hat these people just come at me over something that I actually had nothing to do with so yeah it it definitely um made me look at the industry a lot differently because at that point uh, it was all like Candyland to me. <laughs> so you have this experience at iAcquire where you have this sort of negative PR blitz that's pointed at you, but you're able to successfully transition the business from some of the gray hat link building strategies to more consulting and analytics and social media. So you, you pivot the business and eventually you leave and you start your own thing. Talk to me about the reason for you know leaving the agencies that you had worked at, and why did you decide to branch out on your own? Yeah, um, I think with the iAcquire thing, it was very difficult for me to trust the owners of the organization because you know, in a lot of ways, I felt like I was left out to dry during that whole thing because I'm fielding all this communication, and then there was like days where iAcquire didn't make a statement. And, you know, I'm like, hey, guys, we need to act fast. We need to move this way. And, you know, they're just like deliberating and not making a move and also not saying like, hey, this isn't Mike. This was us. So it just left a really bad taste in my mouth over time. And, you know, there were just other things that happened that that loss of trust like compounded. So there are things that, you know, I may have seen things and I'm like, assuming the worst because I just can't really trust these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just broke the relationship. You don't have to worry about trusting the founders of the company if you're the founder of the company. Right. And just after working at so many different agencies, I was like, if these people that I've worked for who I don't feel have you know anything more special about them than I do, it, I, I'm sure I can give this a try and maybe it'll work. And so far, I'm not wrong. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, I mean, you've been doing iPoll Rank for five years. Tell me a little bit about you know, the early days of that business. Where did you start? And then how has it grown to what it is today? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not been as easy as I had imagined. Um, you know, the, the biggest problem is that I'm not a process-oriented person. You know, I've never, I've never worked in an organization where it was like, hey, Mike, here's our process aside from the Razorfish thing. And here's our process. Here's how we build a process. Here's how we augment process. I've always just been somebody who's like, hey, let's figure out how to do this. And I may do the same thing different ways every time, right? So that obviously doesn't work across an organization. People need to be aligned in how we do things so that we can have the same effective product every time. So yeah, that's been the biggest difficulty. And I started it. I was just like, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. A couple of leads came in and I was just like, cool, I'm going to handle these. 
And, you know, I, I put like five G's in a bank account and just kept going with it. The thing that's lucky for me is that because I built a personal brand, a lot of people were excited to hear that I'd gone on my own. And they were like, yeah, we've just been waiting for this so we can work together. And so they would reach out to me and, you know, it just continued to snowball from there. And then after the first nine months, I was like, okay, I think I can probably hire people. And I did that and, you know, just kept it moving. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the value that you've provided. You mentioned that, you know, you're starting to build more process as the business expanded from you being a sole operator to managing a team. The thing that sticks out to me with your description of iPoll rank is your host of services. I'll, I'll read the list here. Digital marketing consulting, marketing strategy, competitive analysis, content marketing, strategy, social, media management, measurement, CRO, user experience, solution architecture, SEO, paid media across PPC, social, and display advertising. Like You are covering an incredible amount of marketing functions. Mm-hmm. And you know your background is primarily in SEO. So did you start off by offering all of those? Did you start off by just working on SEOs? And how have you expanded the business's service offering over time? Sure. So yeah, we started out largely in SEO, content strategy, and content marketing. And then, you know, just by building that trust with our clients, they've been like, hey, you want to try doing our PPC? Or hey, can you do conversion rate optimization? And then effectively, we just expand our existing process to support that. Like, of course, you get an actual expert for PPC, but our general process is the same. You know, we're starting from understanding your business goals, figuring out who the audience is, figuring out what the content strategy is, making sure the site is configured to support it from a technical perspective, launching something, promoting it, measuring it, optimizing it, and keep going in the cycle. So our process is the same across all those channels. It's just the specifics of how the channels work that need to be brought in by having a person that actually does it that allows us to be able to be effective at each of those things. The irony is that when you started working on the projects and you're the sole proprietor, you know, you're doing bespoke work. And now the reason why you're able to expand to multiple different functions of marketing is because you've built processes that are applicable across different channels. Yeah. So as as it turns out, like your core value is the process you've built, not the bespoke work. Although I'm sure you're, you know, thinking about your customers' needs and and designing solutions for them that are that are custom. Absolutely. It's it, you know, again, we have the process, but within that process, we're looking for opportunities to be creative. Like no one wants to sit around and just do the same thing every day. You know, we're always trying to challenge ourselves and seeing what else is going on with competitors or what's going on in other verticals that can be applied. So it's it's not as like paint by numbers as it might sound. It's definitely us looking for opportunities to do interesting things so that we're not bored too. So as you decided to go out on your own, what's interesting to me is you developed a personal brand that essentially became more valuable to you than the brands of the agencies that you're working on, which is why you were able to feel comfortable. I'm assuming why you were able to feel comfortable, you know, branching out and starting your own thing, right? You knew that you had a reputation within the industry. Talk to me about your philosophy for developing a personal brand. I, my core sentence is I don't want to bore anybody and I always want to be doing new and interesting things. And so there's a direct parallel between you know, how I would do my shows and also how I built a personal brand here. So uh, one of the things I I would do at my shows, and there's videos of this on YouTube, 
is I would blindfold myself and people would hand me objects and I would freestyle about them and like identify them and things like that. So I was always looking for opportunities to do something different. And, you know, in, in most cases, a little more advanced or technical, even in the frame of like how I rhymed. And I always wanted to be doing something that was, you know, interesting. Like if anytime you saw me, even if you didn't like my music, you were like, wow, like what was that, right? And so the same thing applies to my personal brand and marketing. You know, I'm always trying to identify something about search or about marketing in general that other people have like not really thought about or they've forgotten about because people just keep moving on things rather than like looking for how all this stuff can tie together. I always look for ways that, you know, two things that don't go together to put them together to make it more interesting. So like my earlier blog posts, I would talk about personas and use Smurfs to explain like what personas are or I'm talking about crawling and using Pac-Man to show like the different types of crawlers and, you know, just making things more palatable but also more interesting. And I think that's what helped me stand out um, and build the brand. Yeah, it makes sense that, you know, having a background as an entertainer and coming up with sort of interesting ways to engage an audience has helped you to develop a personal brand Mm -hmm. professionally. Uh, You're also, you know, sort of getting back into uh, hip hop. I I noticed that on your LinkedIn profile, you're the owner and managing director of a 20-year-old e-commerce site called undergroundhiphop.com. Tell me about what that is and and how does it relate to your career? Yeah. So undergroundhiphop.com has been around obviously for about 22 years now. Um, It was one of the core sites that everybody congregated on in the indie rap space, you know, and they actually got hit by Panda in 2011 and never recovered. And then two years ago, they were about to shut down. I was like, hey, I can do something about this. And so me and a couple of my partners got together and we purchased it. And uh, it's a fun project in that, you know, it's, we're working to like revitalize it. It's a, a good testing ground for SEO stuff and also, you know, general marketing uh, things that we want to do. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a good way to materially get back into that space because it's very difficult for me to make time for music when it doesn't really make money. But if I have this business that is giving back to the community and also is a revenue generating thing, there's a reason for me to spend some time in the music space. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, So It's also very difficult. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of legacy code built in there. You know, the interesting thing to me as you tell us your career story is the parallels and experience that you've taken from being an entertainer, how that's helped you develop a personal brand and how you made the transition slowly over time from being a recording artist to starting a successful career and, and you know, running a successful agency. So as we as we wrap up uh, the podcast, I, I just love for you to take a second and reflect on the journey that you had. What advice do you have for the you know, SEOs who have diverse backgrounds, diverse interests, you know, how can they Mm -hmm. develop a career like you have to sort of have their cake and eat it too, you know, be something like a recording artist or whatever their interest is, while also developing your career on the technical side? Yeah, I would say don't shy away from like, combining those things. Like I said before, you know, it was it was always, I was always scared to let people know like, hey, I, I do music too. I definitely hid them like I had two different Twitter profiles and the whole thing, there's no reason that you can't combine your interests. Like if you're an actor or whatever you do, there's no reason you can't bring more of that into your professional life. That's just going to set you apart. And I mean, we're doing marketing and that's 
That's like a core part of marketing. How do you stand out? What makes you unique? What's your unique selling proposition? So the more that you can incorporate what you actually care about outside of your job, the more interesting you're going to seem and the more what you do is going to resonate with people. I think the marketing lesson here is, you know, differentiation, even on the personal branding side, is what helps people remember who you are and, you know, really has value as you start to develop your career. And Mike's a great example of somebody who had, uh, you know, a lot of different experiences from the traditional SEO and was able to parlay those into building a, a successful personal brand and then a successful agency. So Mike, congratulations on your success. Thank you. I'm going to go check out that YouTube video and I appreciate (laughs) you joining the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Mike King, the founder and managing director of iPollRank. If you'd like to learn more about Mike, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at iPollRank. That's I-P-U-L-L-R-A-N-K. Or you can visit his company's website, which is iPollRank.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions, or if you'd like to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in the show notes, or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed next week. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data.